Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. I want to speak to you this morning. I gave a simple title line, The Cheerful Giver. The Cheerful Giver. There's a passage in the Bible out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and Paul's writing, and, and he talks about that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. But I want to lay some foundation for a few moments this morning before I get into the passage on 2 Corinthians. And I really want to turn your attention first and foremost to the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. And if they have it, I'm going to ask them to put it on the screen, but you can turn with it in your Bibles uh, and follow along with me. I just, I want you to see this line of text that is very familiar. We've preached on it several times, but I feel like i gotta got to lay this foundation to get to what I want to talk to you about out of 2 Corinthians. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, when God created man and woman, it said that he blessed them. Somebody say, he blessed them. Now let's make it personal because it wasn't just Adam and Eve, it was also us. He blessed me. The word blessing means it's an empowerment upon your life to be successful. It means the Lord has given you a permission slip to prosper in everything that you put your heart to, your mind to, and your hand to. You have permission to prosper. You don't have to ask for it. The Lord has already granted it to you. You have the ability to prosper. That's the blessing of God that's upon your life. But then he goes on and he continues and he says after he blessed them, he gives them a command. This was not a suggestion. This wasn't a good idea. He says, now go, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish, and subdue it. Now, this is important because I have down in in the original King James, after he blesses them, he says, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. But here's the thing. You can't subdue, you can't take over, you can't control where you're not fruitful, where you're not multiplying, and where you're not replenishing. The Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. What does that mean when the righteous are in authority? It, It means, I love this statement, and we've shared it before, but the one with the gold rules. The one with the majority is ruling this thing. And when the people of God recognize that they're called by God to walk in blessing, to live prosperous, to be victorious, to have increase, until we hit that place, until we touch on those things, the the world's just going to continue to do what they want to do. But when we begin to see our lives blessed and fruitful based upon how the word of God says, now the world's going to begin to turn their eyes and look at the people of God and say, what's up with that? Because the people of God are rejoicing that we are flourishing. This is not the word, by the way, but it just works. But when the people of God are flourishing, the world's going to take note of that. And I want to put this in your heart and in your mind. God wants you blessed. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to increase. God wants you to have good success everywhere that you step foot. I'm sorry, but this message never gets old. It's not, well, I've heard that before. Oh, Bishop has taught on that so many years. It's not just a teaching, it's a lifestyle. It's who we are as the people of God. You have to understand that the Lord is all about increase. The kingdom is about increase. The prophet Isaiah said that his kingdom would know no end. What does that mean? 
That his kingdom would continue to increase, but where? Through you. God wants kingdom increase to take place through your life and in your families, in our community, so the world would know that we serve a good God, an awesome God, a God that loves, a God that cares, a God that tends to and blesses and, and, and not just meets needs, but surpasses the needs. So he says here, as he says, be fruitful, multiply. For a moment, as I just I want to touch on those three words because what I believe is these three words really, they, they, they give us an understanding of three levels of increase. Fruitful, multiply, replenish. Mark's gospel, chapter 4, talking about the parable of the sower, says that there would be some 30, 60, 100-fold. Three levels of increase. Fruitful, multiply, replenish. In fact, it's even depicted generationally through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Abraham, who we know is, 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 is the father of many nations, the Lord gave him a promise. He trusted the promise without going through all of the background details of it. He trusted the promise. He sowed into the promise, and he was fruitful with Isaac. That was one level. Now, when you read through the life of Isaac, Isaac was successful in everything that he did, even all the quarrels and even all of the arguments and even all of the, the disputes that he had with those that try to take from him. He, he, the Bible says that in Isaac's life that he became so rich, so wealthy. He was very rich. It wasn't just rich. He was very rich. He multiplied. That's the second level. But then we see in Jacob's lifetime, that Jacob, who inherited the blessing from his father Isaac, is in a place that he's got so much stuff. He's got so many things that's going on in his life. Good things, by the way, that are happening in his life. When we get to the end of his life, it says that he had 12 sons. 12. So you have Abraham, who had one son. Isaac, from what we read at that time, has two sons because he had a brother Esau. Then we get to this third generation, and now there's 12 sons. What is that? That's the replenishing. Now I've got 12 sons that I'm sending out into the earth that is to begin to populate the earth with godly people. It's fruitful. It's multiplication. It's replenishing. I want to say this, is that success is not based upon what you consume. It's about what you contribute. Increase is not how much I consume, it's how much I contribute. Increase is not about how much is gained, but it's how much is given. You need to hear me on this because this is important because this is the mark of true success. It's not how much I have, it's not how, much, how blessed I am, it's how much I'm able to be a blessing. And until I see my life as a blessing, I'm only going to get to one measure, one level of being blessed. Do you have, do you have that cup, that glass? I'm not going to hold it. I'll let you hold it. Turn to the people, Ish. For those of you that don't know, this is Ish. Can I get an extra set of hands? And this is Lana. Look at you guys. This is amazing. It's like sons of thunder. Lana, can you grab me a bottle of water? Can you open that? I just, 
I want you to pour into the, into the glass. Don't, don't, don't spill my blessing. Just keep pouring it. Keep pouring it. Keep pouring it. That's good right there. Now, some of us, we would look at this, this glass and we would say, it's somewhat full, right? Like, that glass looks pretty fruitful. It could probably quench a thirst or two. But if you're really thirsty, you might need a little bit more. So we need, we need another measure of increase. Keep pouring it up. That's good right there. Now, we would look at that and we would say, that, that's, a full, that's a full glass, right? Well, that's a full glass. Yeah. Anything higher than that and you're going to be like my children who just try to like slurp it at the top. But let's just say Ish is really thirsty. You got to keep, keep pouring it up. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Wait, 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 stop, stop. It's going to overflow. We, now, God forbid it overflows because then we can't, we can't drink it because it's all the way at the top. It's going to overflow. We, can't, we got to stop, right? Because it can't contain anymore. Well, keep pouring. Just, it's okay. There you go, all the way out. That's overflowing, correct? It's overflowing, correct? It's water, it's carpet, it'll dry, it's good. Here's the thing. We live our lives being just fruitful enough to quench our thirst. And then as we begin to continue to fill it up a little bit more, we say, well, I could drink a little bit more. But when it gets to the top, we're no longer focused on our thirst anymore. We're no longer focused on how much we want to contain anymore. We're focused on, well, it can't fit anymore, so we have, we have to stop. And it's like our life before the Lord as we say, well, Lord, I'm pretty fruitful and things are going well. Quench that thirst. I'm feeling pretty successful. But the Lord's saying, but yeah, but there's more room for, for me to fill up. Well, okay, well, I'll, 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 you can top it off. I'll take just a little bit more. But then it starts to get to the top and say, whoa, 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 we got to stop. No more, no more, no more. And the Lord is saying, you're missing it. I have to overflow so that it will spill over and fill others' cups. You got to understand, thank you, gentlemen. You have to understand it's three measures. And true success is not until you're replenishing those that are around you. The, the, the things that we are commissioned to sow into. And I'm not just talking about money, by the way. I'm talking about your life in every area of your life. Some of you this week need, need to, to, to be able to release an overflow of words to people around you. Some of you this week need to be able to serve those that are around you this week. There's three measures, and it's, it's to, to, to be fruitful. And it's to multiply, and it's... it's it's to replenish. While, while we were out of town, um, we went to, to, the, to the park that I shared with you. It's called Zion National Park. And I believe it's roughly about 14 miles. Is that what it was? About 14 miles in its full distance of the park. I, I read something. Like it was like 14.6 miles. Uh, this national park. And um, I think we have a photo if they, if they got it. I want to put it on the screen. I want you to see this. Thank you, iPhone 15. Your boy took that. <laughs> now to get up there though, we had a hike. We had a hike up there. And, we, and it was beautiful. We took in these views and we took, we took this picture and it, and, 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 it was, and it was awesome. But let me tell you something. In order to get to this place to take this picture, we actually had to drive in on one side of the park 
And on this one side of the park, we had to actually at one point go through a tunnel that was a mile long. Now that tunnel didn't always exist, but in, 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 in online or you know those things, but I'd never with these physical eyes had seen something like this. But to get to this, we had to drive through a mile long tunnel. The tunnel was man-made. The tunnel was actually built in 19, it started in 1927 and it took three years for them to build the tunnel. Now, the tunnel that they built was actually through the canyon wall itself. They strapped dynamite to this wall and for three years, they blew a hole in the middle. And I'm like, why would you destroy this? But for three years, they, they begin to establish this tunnel as they blew sticks of dynamite to open up a hole. And the purpose of it was you could never see this if there wasn't a passageway to get to the other side. You could never encounter the glory and the beauty of this until you were able to go through this tunnel that these men gave their lives for. And they completed construction on the tunnel in 1930 and the thought behind it was this, we didn't do this for the sake of ourselves, but we did this so that future generations could encounter and could witness the beauty of what was on the other side. See, you have to understand that your giving is not just about your fruitfulness and your multiplying, but it's your replenishing of what you're giving back is to impact future generations that will extend from you. It's not about the now moment, and the now moment is great because the Lord doesn't want me to be in lack or in need, but the Lord wants us to be so overflowing with what he has for our life that I don't have enough room to contain it that I have to give it back. And here's the thing, in order for future generations to see what's on the other side, we have to be willing to do what we have never done. That hole had never been opened up before. They had to do what they had never done. They had to give of themselves and giving is about giving of yourself. You say, well, pastor, this is a pretty loaded giving message. Yes, because God is a giver. Come on, John 3, 16, the very first scripture that most of us have probably learned, that God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Giving is in the DNA of Jesus. Giving is in the DNA of our heavenly father. And he, and so when we look at this passage, and I know I wanna, I wanna just draw our attention to 2 Corinthians chapter nine, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read the word if that's okay. We're, just, we're gonna read the scripture, we're gonna flow through it, we're gonna extract from it what the writer is saying here. And I believe that the Lord's gonna allow us to see some truth that's gonna prepare us. Second Corinthians chapter nine. If I can actually turn back to verse five, if, if our team can bring it back to verse five, that would be, would be wonderful. But I'm gonna go ahead and read it for you. Verse five, Paul is saying this, therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. In other words, the, the, the Lord is not putting an obligation in the sense of he is 
making you be submissive in your giving because he wants you to give out of freely out of your heart because giving doesn't start with what's in your hand. Giving starts with, with what's in your heart. And if your heart's not right, then your hand's never going to be right. And the Lord does not want you to, to, to just give an aimless gift, whatever that might look like. It could be a kind word. It can be an offering. It can, it, it can be the way that you serve one another. It could be the way that you are, are giving of your seed in your time, in your talent, on your job, in your careers, whatever that. But, it, but, but specifically in this, Paul is talking about an offering to the church. And he's saying, I, I don't give passively, give purposefully. Jesus talks about how much better it was with the widow that gave the two mice because she gave with what was purposed in her heart and you are just passively giving what's in your hand. It's not about what people see because nobody cares about what, it, what, what, what you're doing on the exterior. God cares about what you're doing on the interior in your heart. He's looking at your heart. And so what we find here is that Paul is, he's, he's saying, listen, I want you to prepare yourself. And in verse six is where we pick up this passage. But I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Somebody say every good work. That you'll have an abundance for every good work as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. I want to just stop there for right now. And I know that the rest of the passage goes on talking about that he gives seed to the sow, apply your seed. But I don't want to focus necessarily on that, but I want us to dial into this portion right here. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, there's a difference between the, word, uh, the words uh, bountiful and sparingly. And, and, and when we would read this or look at this, we would think that the word sparingly is the opposite of bountifully. And in some ways it is, but that's not the full understanding and meaning of the word. For the word bountifully means I'm giving of the abundance that I have. The word sparingly does mean to give the little that I have, but, but, the, but the greater definition of sparingly means infrequently. So those that give only a little bit, infrequently, watch this now, you're going to receive just a little bit, infrequently. Oh Lord, why is my life not blessed? Let me ask you, how is your giving life look? Because if I'm giving inconsistently at the very little bit when I know I have capacity out of my overflow to be able to give more, I can't complain about why my life is not increasing or blessed. He says, those that sow sparingly, infrequently, inconsistently, in a very little bit amount, you've got no right, no reason to complain because that's what you're going to get given. It will be given back to you. Oh, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Well, there ain't going to be much pressing down and shaking together when you're given a little bit. <laughs> I want you to hear me on this. 
I know this isn't a message that people like to hear all the time, but the reality is this. If you are able to give your paycheck to the liquor store on Friday as a sinner, why are we complaining about giving our best to God? (laughs) Oh, shoot. (laughs) Someone just slid a little low in their chair. I'm not here to speak condemnation. I'm here to bring conviction. I think it's so funny how we put parameters on our spiritual life and then we complain why our earthly life is a mess. If I sow sparingly, I'm going to reap sparingly. But if I give bountifully, in the Bible, um, uh, it's in Chronicles, just to get the reference right uh, on here because I thought this was so cool. Second Chronicles um, chapter 9 there's uh, Solomon's life. Solomon has just built the, uh, the temple for worship. Um, and the queen of Sheba comes to meet with Solomon. And Solomon shows her everything that's been built. She asks him all these questions that he has the answers to because he was, you know, filled with wisdom that he asked for from the Lord. And she says, the reports that I heard are only half of what I've actually witnessed She couldn't believe with her eyes how blessed, how prosperous Solomon was. Now, in those times, and even even today it just looks differently, but in those times when one person from one kingdom would go to another kingdom, they would present them gifts. No different than when you go to your, you know, holiday Christmas dinners and parties, you'll bring a gift when you show up. Uh, maybe it might be something that you can add to the dinner table. Maybe it might be gifts for the family or the friends that you're with, but you bring a gift. So the Queen of Sheba, she brings these gifts to honor Solomon. In fact, it says that she brought 120 talents of gold. Now, I don't have the time to run the math on that right now, but one talent is 75 pounds of gold. So you can do that and then you can later pull up on Google what the cost of gold is today, and then you'll have that amount. It's a lot of gold. Not only that, but she also gave him the finest spices in the world, the finest wood that could be laid in which was laid as the temple floor in further construction areas after the temple was done. He added it into the temple. It's magnificent what she gave him. But I love this. The Bible says that after she gave him all of these things, it says that Solomon gave her more than what she gave him. There is a phrase in, in the book of Kings that is used when they're talking about this story, and it's called a royal bounty. I was blown away when I read it. A royal bounty is what he gave to the queen of Sheba. And if the word bountiful means abundance... And this is Solomon. And if we just saw how much gold she gave him, he gave out of the abundance, out of the excess, above and beyond, back to her. Out of the bounty, out of the, the bountiful of what the Lord has given you in your life. The, 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 and I want to put it like this. As children of God, we're, we're chosen, we're royal. What has the Lord given you that you can bless him with? 
What has the Lord given you that you can bless others with over and above, not just a token gift, not just a, a token offering, but, but out of the abundance of my heart, what can I extend forth? Not because they need it, because the Queen of Sheba didn't need it. See, that's the thing. Giving, it's gotta be, it's gotta be purposeful, but the reality is this, is that your, your giving isn't just for those that are in need. Giving should be every lifestyle, every action of who you are. Giving should just be what we do. Not just when there's a deficit. Now, when there's needs, because we know that the Bible goes on and talks about that we are to serve and meet the needs of those that are hurting. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But giving should just be because it's who you are. I would get in these fun little, um, I'll call it a scuff. Uh, Pastor Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Uh, and I, we've got a rich history of whenever we go out to eat, it always ends with some kind of fight over who's going to get the bill. And so before we really knew each other's character around this, uh, we would show up and, you know, the, the waiter or the waitress would come bring the bill and we would be quick to snag it out of her hand. Well, that got pretty violent in the restaurants and no one wants to see that. So we started getting slick and one of us would drop a credit card on our way in. Well, then once we realized that either one of us would always do that, I mean, we raised the stakes. It got to the point I would like phone in my credit card. <laughs> just, just have it on file. Here's my e-signature. It's done. Now, when we would go to eat, he could totally afford the meal. It wasn't about could he pay for it or could I pay for it or not. It was the fact that out of the abundance of what we had, we wanted to bless one another. That is the joy of giving. The joy of giving is that I just want to bless you. I want to love you. I want to sow into your life. That's the cheerful giver. It's not having a reluctant heart. It's not doing it grudgingly, but it's saying, man, it's just who I am. There's something about when you know when Christmas morning wakes up and your children, they begin to tear open all those gifts. And man, is my daughter into gifts right now. The greatest joy is, is, is not what I'm receiving from my wife, which I like receiving things from my wife. <laughs> my greatest joy is when I see my children open up because we gave. The greatest joy is when you give that you know that you're being a blessing out of your abundance and your overflow. It's the replenishing, knowing that this is the heart of God. The heart of God is that he is a giver. And God wants us to live our lives with this. It's not a concept. It's not an idea. It's his DNA. He is a giver. And so as we read through this passage, the, the Bible, it says this is, you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you also reap bountifully, which by the way, Solomon was more blessed than his father David. And David has been noted as one of the richest men in the earth. And Solomon was more rich than his father. See, so why are you telling me that? It's because it's not about me, but future generations should continue to carry this baton forward. And so he says, Paul says in this passage, he says that when you uh, are, are sowing bountifully, you reap bountifully, give what is purposed, in your heart, God loves a cheerful giver. I just want to give you quick, just a 
couple quick notes on this, but three reasons to give. Number one, you're going to be blessed, which I've talked about that already. If you give bountifully, you give out of the abundance, God's going to bless you above and beyond. And I don't think anybody in here is going to walk out of here saying, well, I don't want to be blessed. And you're in the wrong church. <laughs> God wants all of us to be blessed. It's part of our message of the house. God's a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. And so, number one, God wants, you know, three reasons to give. Number one, he wants you to be blessed. Number two, giving carries purpose or should carry purpose. Purpose, by the way, is anything you can add value to. So when I'm giving, I want to add value to the situation. I want to add value to the thing. I want to add, add value to whatever it is. Giving is my ability to be an added value. Think about your life on the job. You're in the, the position or the role that you have because you are an added value or of benefit to that company or else they wouldn't have hired you. So while you're there, you're giving your best, you're giving with purpose because you are of added value. You tracking with me on this? You're of added value to that company, to that organization, to that cause. So giving it should carry purpose, but, but watch this, First Chronicles chapter 29. This is before Solomon becomes king, before, or, or excuse me, Solomon had just become king, but it's before he had built the temple. And David is still alive, and he makes this statement. First Chronicles 29, verse 17. He says this, I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in my uprightness, of my heart, I willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, there's the cheerful giver, with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. Verse 18, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, in Israel, our fathers, there it is again, three measures, fruitful, multiply, replenishing, of our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart towards you. Your purpose comes out of what is in your heart. And David is saying, I have willingly offered everything that I have to you. And he also puts a little caveat, and everything that I have that I give to you, it came from you from the first place. So everything that I actually have is always yours, but it's not about what's in my hand. It's about that my heart is to give myself to you. And he says, and because I've given my heart to you, the people of God have rallied around this. They themselves have willingly offered, but keep this mindset in our hearts forever. The conclusion of David's prayer is let our hearts always be purposed to give for the sake of the gospel. Our hearts should always be purposed to give for the kingdom of God. Whether it's a serve team that we're a part of, whether it's an offering that we present, whether it's us meeting the needs in our community outside of our, our Sunday and Wednesday gatherings, our hearts should always be purposed to give with the mind of God. That's the intent. That is the heart. So giving should always have a purpose. What is that purpose? To see the gospel flourish. To see the kingdom continue. To be able to be, as, as, as you saw earlier, when we were able to get to the other side of that beautiful park, that we are the future generations of what those men did nearly 100 years ago. What we're doing now echoes for eternity. 
the seeds you sow now, it will echo for eternity. You'll be blessed now, but guess what? Future generations will be more blessed because their starting place is on that level of blessing. They're not working from a deficit. So I have to sow seeds now. I have to see fruitfulness take place now because I want my children and my children's children not to be at my starting place, but as Solomon picked up from David and he was more blessed, it was because David said, my intent of my heart is to give, is to lay down my best. And so we look at this here, and it says that let their hearts be fixed towards you. Oh, God, let my heart be forever fixed towards you in my giving. Let my heart always be fixed towards laying down before you my best, not grudgingly, but cheerfully, because you are the God that blesses, a God that increases. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for just touching our heart, touching my heart right now on this. The third thing is this, is that giving, it reflects the nature of God. Why? Because God himself is a giver. But to put some specific uh, context around this, verse 8 says, and, the, and, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good Work. I'm going to say that again. All grace abound towards you. Better way of putting grace is all strength has been given to you. That you would have all sufficiency. That you would be successful in all things, and that you would be That you may have abundance for every good work. That you would have increase. So what Paul is saying is this: is that when you have the heart of a giver, the Lord will strengthen you. The Lord will cause you to succeed and he will give you increase. That's a pretty good deal. When I've got a heart that's for the Lord and a lifestyle of giving, he will strengthen you, he will give you good success, and he will increase you. He will cause you to end this year in the last few weeks to be greater than the way that you started it. I believe where you are right now for some of you, in the next three weeks, the Lord will increase you even more because he's not done yet. I said he's not done yet. Some of you have been waiting and waiting patiently and you've been sowing and you've been watering but the Bible says some sow, some water but he will give the increase. I'm here to declare to you today the Lord will increase you more and more and more and more. I haven't seen it yet and I'm in tears all night. Don't worry, let them tears water the seeds in the ground. He'll turn those tears into joy, your mourning into dancing. Do not give up on what you have sown into good ground. It will come forth, the Lord will give you the increase in the mighty name of Jesus. And so we see, we, we, we see this here that he'll give you abundance for every good work. Isn't that interesting? Not abundance for you to sit back, watch Netflix, and do nothing. He will give you abundance so that now you can take that overflow and replenish it and put it to work. That's called kingdom investments. Kingdom investments. That's, a, that's the only business tactic that I have for you. <laughs> that you take your overflow and you invest it into the kingdom of God, into the people of God. Lord, let my life be a blessing to others. Let my life be an overflow. And so we, he says, sufficient in all things, abundance for every good work. This here, this is what reflects the heart of God. This is the, the cheerful giver. But... 
In verse 9, he, he, he goes on and he says, and here's the three areas that your giving goes towards. He says, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. He has dispersed abroad his missional giving. I'm so grateful that we as a church, we are, we're missional in our giving. We support our fire Bible, which uh, was fantastic this past summer in July. Over $100,000 came in for fire Bible. Come on. Now, if you're, if you're new to the church and you don't know what it is, we support uh, the, the organizations called Fire Bible International. And what we do becomes a teaching tool in, in other nations that might not ever have access to going to Bible school or to Bible colleges. And so we, Abundant Life Church, we come alongside that and our cheerful giving has sown missionally into that project. Praise God, that's phenomenal. You did that. You did that. We as a church, we sown for that. And so he's saying a cheerful giver is one that is missional giving. And there's many different forms of missional giving. But, but there's missional giving that's, that's dispersing abroad. He says he has given to the poor. This is, this is talking about those that are helpless. This is where the Bible specifically begins to talk about that, that those that, that, that are poor, that cannot help themselves. This is the, the, the widow. This is the, the orphan. This is why we do a lot of, uh, of local outreach, specifically with our four kids uh, organization, which is fantastic. They're doing just a phenomenal job. I know that you've heard from Andrew and Michelle speak about that, but we come alongside of that because we believe that we have a right and a responsibility to give for the sake of the gospel to make sure that there is no orphans that don't know Jesus. And that is not cared for, by the way. Because it means nothing just to tell them about Jesus, but then they're not clothed, they're not in a safe Christian household, they're not you know, being raised up in a safe environment. This is what we do. And so Paul is saying, listen, I want you to understand that the cheerful giver is one that is missional giving. It's one that's helping the helpless. And it's also one that is, that is, for, the right, is for his righteousness to endure forever. Now that's the house of the Lord. He's saying you give for these three things. For the house of the Lord, what is the house of the Lord? It's that the seeds that we sow can continue the work of the gospel on what the Lord has called abundant life to do. We share with you on our Vision Sunday last month that next year uh, we're, we're taking the next step in expanding this property. I mean, you know, our children's ministry, they need a building. They need a building. Our youth, they need a building. I mean, you know, we need some more space. Y'all are like a can of sardines after service in the lobby. It's all packed in. <laughs> we, 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 the Lord is doing something so incredible in this house right now. And it's not building for the sake of having more square footage, but it's building for, 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 for the purpose that we have a premier facility to display the presence, the power, and the love of God. Because mark it down, they are coming. People are coming. People don't want a watered-down gospel. And I'm not here saying, hey, look at me. It's not about me. It's about the fact that we've allowed our hearts to be submitted to him. It's the commissioning. It is a co-laboring with the kingdom, with the gospel, saying, Lord, without fail, we want to see more of you. We want to have encounters with you. You even think about that, the Great Commission. It's a, it's a co-mission. You can't be part of a co-mission without submission. You don't commit 
to something without submitting to it first. And we have a commissioning to make disciples. We have a commissioning to see people baptized. We have a commissioning to teach and train all that is written. It's not entertainment. It's not, let's have a good time to hang out. It's about furthering the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that people will know that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. That's why we give for the sake of the gospel. I was at a um, conference a couple years ago where we were, we were part of raising the finances for one of the fire Bibles. And I'm gonna close with this story this morning. Um, but we were, we were in this, this conference portion of this fundraiser and there was a pastor uh, out of Minnesota, great man of God doing an awesome work. Uh, his name's Pastor Rob Ketterling. And um, he was sharing his story about in 2020, in a year that we know totally disrupted the world. And he said that that year they were preparing to do uh, a big missions giving and then they had a, a church project that they needed to accomplish. And he said, Lord, this year's been so taxing on people, you know, with people that have lost their jobs through COVID, people that have been laid off. And uh, he said, I don't even know how, how can I even talk about giving right now? How can I even talk about it? And the Lord said, because it's not about you, it's about me, and it's about continuing the gospel to go forth. Just present the gospel. And so he shared actually on 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the chapter right before what I've just shared with, and I encourage you to go back and read it, but in chapter 8, it gives context as to why Paul is encouraging the church at Corinth to give. And he says, the reason why I'm exhorting you and encouraging you is because the Macedonian church gave above and beyond what they had. Now, if you understand, the church at Macedonia was one of the most impoverished areas. And the Bible says in chapter 8, out of their poverty with joy, they gave themselves to the Lord first, and then they gave out of the abundance of their heart. And out of their giving, they were able to finance and support the church at that time that was under great persecution in Jerusalem. Out of their poverty, they sowed above and beyond. Oh, well, pastor, if, I, if I'd have it, I'd give it. No, you would not. If you don't have it, go find it if it's in your heart and then you'll give it. Wow, that, that, that's harsh. It's not harsh because the heart is to see the gospel flourish. And if it's in your heart, you'll find it. But here's the deal. The church at Macedonia, the Bible says they gave themselves to the Lord. And in giving themselves to the Lord, they recognized and discovered that all blessing, all increase comes from God. So when they gave themselves to him, he blessed them. And out of them being blessed, they now became a blessing to the church that was in Jerusalem. Paul was so fired up and stirred by this that he begins to tell the church at Corinth, you're not an impoverished nation. In fact, you got it really good. You got the best school systems. You got the best businesses going on. How would you become so inconsistent with your giving? So he gets 
on the church at Corinth and says, stir this back up inside of you because God loves a cheerful giver. It's not about whether you have or don't have. It's about that it's the heart of God to make a difference in the world in which we live. So I'm at this conference and this pastor, he's talking about this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And he says in 2020, in a COVID year, when everybody is counting their dollars and everybody is, is, is making sure that they're, that, they're, that they're being very mindful, which was a joke because probably Amazon sales were through the roof and everybody spent more like we never had spent in our entire life. But he said in that year, and, and I am being serious, I know that it was financially hard for a lot of people. I know that people went through a lot of hell that year. I'm not making light and I'm not making fun. And if you're in the room and that happened to you, my heart and my prayer is that the Lord will not allow you to live your life in that season, but that you're in a new season, that he will increase you more and more and more. That's my prayer for you. But I understand that it was a hard time. And this pastor, he says, I expected that year that our missional giving our kingdom giving would probably be in half. And he said, so I just talked about the church at Macedonia who had nothing, but it was in their heart. And he said, and on that Sunday, he just said, whatever's in your heart, I, want, I just want you to be encouraged to feel free to be a cheerful giver. He shared that night that we were together. He said that year was actually the largest giving that they had ever received in the history of the church to the tune of $1.1 million in one service. Because the people were stopped looking at what they didn't have. And they, in their heart, begin to say, this is for the sake of the gospel because it's not even just me. It is about my children and my children's children. And there was this joy that began to well up inside of them and said, if there ever was a way to get out of where we are, we're gonna give our way out of this COVID crisis. Because it's not about what I can contain. It's about what I can contribute. The Lord wants us to be contributors, co-laborers for the great commission to see his church flourish, to see future generations flourish, to see the heart of God continue in this earth. That's the heart of God. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the Abundant Life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.